You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And this is our Monday episode we call Hear and Obey, when we are talking through the text that was preached on Sunday, because it is our aim as we grow as disciples of Jesus Christ together in community to be shaped by God's word. We want to receive God's word, believe it, treasure it, trust it, walk in his ways. Uh, God communicates himself to us by his word and through his spirit. So something happens when we open up scripture, when we hear this word preached, when we reflect on it, meditate on it, um, God gets stuff done in us. So we are in Luke 1 this week as we start our Advent series. Uh, Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent, and we're calling the series Songs for the Savior. We're walking through some of the songs in Luke's gospel, uh, beginning here with Mary's song. And um, Matt, you preached this text and drew attention to the fact that this is traditionally referred to as the Magnificat uh, from the first word in the song in Latin. Recognize that word magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord is how that, that verse goes in English. So Mary's song, it is um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and uh, God is revealing to us his ways through this. So I'm going to read Luke 1, 46 through 55, Mary's song, and we'll um, talk about this. And uh, hopefully this serves people who are gathering this week in gospel communities to discuss this text as well. Uh, We want to understand it and apply it. So this is God's word. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. God, thank you for your word and for this song as we... Uh, enter into this Advent season. We long for the return of Christ Jesus, our Savior, and we rejoice in his first coming when he came as a man to suffer for our sins, to redeem us, and to be raised to life again for our justification. So God, would you help us as we discuss your word for our joy? Amen. Advent, what a great time of year. Hmm. Uh, just you know we kind of switch up our advent series each year you think christmas is christmas it's about the birth of christ it's amazing how much there is in scripture about the birth of christ about the coming of christ and uh, i I think matt like you mentioned yesterday on the church calendar um you know we, we don't have to do it this way we don't have to make december the time we think about the birth of christ but it is helpful for us to have a a rhythm a routine about our annual calendar that that we remember the incarnation of the son of god which is a glorious doctrine to the church mm-hmm. it is a you know cornerstone of our salvation if jesus is not fully god fully man then we're still dead in our sins yeah. without a savior so looking at the coming of christ through these songs is uh, a wonderful way to do this because really it's inviting us into worship as well. Yeah. I think one of the things that Advent does for me is reminds me that we are in a story. We are a part of a story that, you know, 
our religion is not just a <clears throat> a systematic religion of just key concepts that we just need to get and yeah. then all of a sudden we're saved, but it, we're part of this grand narrative, this grand drama of scripture. Um, and what Christmas does is it really highlights a, a real, I mean, the most important chapter. That's right. Um, and some of the most powerful moments of Advent for me in the past is just thinking on the setting, the context, the the con the content of what is happening mm-hmm. at the incarnation, and particularly in like world history and and especially in the in the storyline of scripture, it really is in this kind of darkness of night. Of mm. Isaiah hits it with the people in darkness yeah. who are in darkness have seen a great light. Like mm-hmm. there is a great light that is beginning to form. It's just it's just got that. I don't know, you, you just cinematic yeah. vibe to it of a story being told. And then when it all seemed lost, here he comes. Yeah. And there's this anticipation building. And, and then all that, that now, the, the beauty of this story is that we are a part of it. And so in, in the darkness of my own soul, the light of Christ is shown. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, light, uh, the light of God, who's, he who said, let there be light, has shown in my heart now to show me the knowledge of the gospel of the Lord or of, of Jesus in his face. Mm. So there's this locating ourselves in the story of, of Advent that is both, it's not just something, an event that took place, mm-hmm. but that has application in my life yeah. now. And also, so when I was first saved and now today, mm-hmm. I, when I'm in those valleys, those deep, dark valleys and, and feel alone, um, I need light. Mm-hmm. I need illumination. I need a God who has come near to me. Mm-hmm. And that's the story of Advent. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, as we said, like part of the other piece is like the cross is in the distance. This this yeah. is not an isolated chapter, and then we go to the next chapter as if it's completely dis, right. you know distinct. Um, everything that's happening in the incarnation is for the purpose of the cross yeah. and, and the empty tomb, and that just flavors and seasons mm-hmm. and deepens all of our meditations on the incarnation and yeah. on and on Advent. Yeah, and having a yearly time to look back and remember the incarnation, um, I think it just highlights we live a life of, you know, there's days in between all these significant moments, and we're usually not remembering, okay, what I did yesterday, but I am remembering, oh, I was born, you know, day I graduated or got my first job or whatever. Um, So similar to this, uh, having this daily or this yearly season of remembrance of the incarnation yeah. just helps us to get the main things right. Mm-hmm. Um, to remember the main things, which yeah. then I think like Matt said, flavors, colors, um, highlights, you know, how we should be living yeah. the rest of our life. It reminds me, Hey, we never move past this. This is not like, why do we keep talking about the incarnation? Why, why is mm-hmm. it a yearly thing? Why we never outgrow the gospel and, mm-hmm. and it just, what a, what a gift it is that we have this, an opportunity to gather and to, I mean, we gather every Sunday because we're forgetful people, mm-hmm. people. And we celebrate this every year because we're forgetful people. Right. Um, so it's just, it highlights my dependency on these yeah. types of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, liturgies or traditions or routines really shape us by the repetition. And I'm amazed as a parent with young children, it does not take a whole lot of repetition for kids to have the idea like this is a tradition. Right. Like basically you do something once or twice and they're like, <laughs> we always do this, <laughs> which is important. Like we want to be intentional, thoughtful about the things that we do so that um, we are actually 
purposefully leading our own hearts into worship yeah. in this season. Something I've been reflecting on uh, through an Advent devotional that we got this year is just the reality that you know, for the church, this is this is not the Christmas season. This is the Advent season. Right. Christmas Day is coming, but the season is Advent. And when you pay attention to the the words and really the sound of a lot of Advent songs, there is a mournful, mm-hmm. expectant, longing, lamenting kind of tone because of that, Matt, like you were saying, the context coming out of 400 years of silence, which is a dramatic, intentional pause yes. so that the inbreaking of the glorious Son of God into the world as a man um, receives all of the the glory and the attention. And so, you know, Advent is a, a time of longing. And so we're remembering in history, the people of God experience this. And we live in a time of longing for the return of the mm-hmm. Son of God, who is coming back, like the angels said at his resurrection. He's coming back in the same way that he ascended, that is bodily. Mm-hmm. He's coming again. So it, it's really a, a time of longing and anticipation building up to celebration of Christmas Day. Yeah. And that distinction is important. And I think it helps even with Mary's song to kind of enter into her shoes here as she talks about the joy that her spirit has in God, her Savior. And she talks about in verse 48, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Yeah. Um, he who is mighty, verse 49, has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So she's, I just know she starts out talking about herself, mm-hmm. what God has done for her and her own humble condition but then she broadens out in verse 50 to what god has done for all who fear him and yeah. again she kind of continues along those same things of god exalting the humble but mm. god bringing down the proud yeah, there there's a sense of lament in here about the condition the world is in mm-hmm. and and that's what leads to rejoicing in what god does about that yeah yes yeah, you know there's a lot of ways to to this is just such a beautiful like all these songs we're going to look at but is you know, Mary's is no exception. Just a beautiful poem, a beautiful, uh, a song, and spirit-inspired, spirit-filled. And she, she begins, you're right, she begins with herself. And it has this kind of extrapolation of what's true now of her is also true of God's people mm. and true of the world. I mean, the, she's talking about kings and nations will be brought low. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, this is a cosmic, she understands it, that this mm. is a cosmic reality. Mm. Um, and then I, that concept of the humility she talks about, um, there's a lot of ways to think of that concept. Um, you know, just her, for instance, for Mary, she is a humble, she's, she's in a humble state as a young girl from, from nowhere, nondescript. You know, the, the, thing that's, the thing that makes her unique mm-hmm is God's favor. That, that's right. what makes her unique. And what's true of her in a lot of ways is also true of Israel in the Old Testament, of mm. small, you know, God, Deuteronomy 7, I did not set my affection on you because of, because of you, because of your stature yeah. and your number, but the reason I did, and the, the only thing that makes you unique is my love for you, my mm. affection for you, my, my raising you up, even though you are this. So there's one way to, to think of the humble here. I think Mary has that in mind for sure at, at the beginning where he's looked on me in my humble estate, my mm. natural state. But there's also a, a call to, um, to respond to God. So like mm. we were talking earlier, Ryan and I, about the, 
um, you know, the scope of the text doesn't really, you're not able to pull all this in. But I would say one of the key things that makes Mary the humble figure that she is, is because of her response to what's happening to her in verse uh, 38. Hmm. So chapter, a couple verses before, after the angel has announced to her what's about to happen, <laughs> which is quite the scene, Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So the thing that marks her response, this hum, the thing that marks her as humble is not only her status, her, mm. her, her you know, indicative reality, but also her response to what God is doing to her. Yeah. She, she, she doesn't put up a fight. She doesn't run away. She just says, let it be so. Let, mm. it, be a, let it be according to your word. Mm. She, she's, she's receiving this incredible news by faith. Mm-hmm. And she recognizes that that response then leads to uh, joy. It, re- it leads to rejoicing. It leads to magnifying all that God is doing to her. And that, that she is just a, uh, the beginning, the, the yeah. opening volley of what's going to become a cosmic. So that the, the promises to Abraham of through you all the nations will be blessed. Yeah. That's going to now, that's happening. <laughs> it's, and it's happening. And so the question now, the, the Psalm 2 questions of what are you going to do with this king? Will you kiss the sun or will you perish on the way? Are you going to gather together and seek to destroy him? Even in your seeking to destroy him is the very way by which he will rise again and, be, and conquer, the, conquer even, not just conquer the world, but conquer death. So there's just so much happening in this text yeah. as far as just this opening light of who this coming king is. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that highlighting Mary's response, it, it really is a paradigm for how the only appropriate way for anybody to respond to God. Mm-hmm. Like Mary's prayer there should be the prayer of every person. Though Mary is unique in the story, and so Elizabeth can say to her, blessed are you among women. Yeah. There's something unique about Mary among all the women who have ever existed in the world. She can say in her own song, um, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mm-hmm. So she's unique, and yet that response should not be unique to Mary. That That's right. really saving faith expressed yep. beautifully. Let it be to me according to your word, which highlights the word of the Lord really is the foundation yes. of our faith. We, we say that then in response to God's promises, in response to the gospel, let it be to me according to what you have said, what you have promised. Right. That's, that's a humble response of faith. That's not questioning, doubting, rejecting, resisting, but simply receiving and, and surrendering yeah. to God's word. Yeah, and we don't want to make this text about us because it's not about us. It's about this historical redemptive thing that's set on foot here. Mm-hmm. But um, how do we respond when, oh, the Lord has looked upon me. Mm-hmm. You know, think about just habit that maybe many GCs have of just identifying evidence of grace, yeah. whether that's in each other or, you know, through our weeks, um, through gospel conversations we've had. Um, our friend CJ Mahaney talks about how do we live this cross centered life where right. we're always coming back to the foot of the cross. Well, he says, well, it's by living cross centered days. Mm. And so, um, you know, we can wake up to, knowing that the Lord has looked upon us in Christ mm-hmm. who has paid the penalty for our sins yeah. and we can rejoice in the same way. Yeah. Um, verse 49, when, when she says he was mighty has done great things for me, what God has done for us is obviously different than the right. specific things yep. God did for her. But that's something that every believer can say. Mm. Yep. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Um, 
And, and the greatest thing really that God was doing through Mary, taking on flesh, we sing in that song, he was mighty, he's done a great thing, taken on flesh, conquered death's sting. Mm. He did that for us. And so that receiving that by faith, benefiting from that so that that's also true for us. I think that's a great, great reminder. Yeah. That verse, uh, verse 54, where she, she makes this connection now to not only has God done great things to me, but he's, he has helped his servant Israel. Now that, that Israel, that old Testament people of God that he's referring to in remembrance of his mercy, throughout this she's giving highlight to what is going to become the marker of this new covenant age of what is this king, what is Jesus coming to do is to make his dwelling place with man even more intimate than it was in the old covenant. And what's highlighted here is what we've been describing is what will ultimately mark the people of God is that of faith. Yeah. That, what, what do you do with God? Cause will you trust his word or not? I mean, all the way back into the patriarchs, even all the way back into the garden, that was the question. Will you take God's word as it is? Mm-hmm. Will we trust him, uh, trust him enough to, to obey him? Mm-hmm. I mean, same thing was true for Adam, he failed. For, for Abram and for Abraham. And, and yet that, he, he was the basis of, that was always to be by faith. Mm-hmm. In the whole New Testament, or the, excuse me, the old, old Testament with the, uh, the people of God, the covenantal people of God being according to the flesh, that was just an, a picture of what was to come. So now it shows what the true nature of this covenant, of the, who will receive the mercy of God, who will receive um, the wondrous things that he will do. Uh, it, it's those who are united to Christ by faith, who, who trust in his word. Those are the people who are to receive these promises and, and just revel in them, mm-hmm. these incredible promises. And her language of uh, uh, verse uh, verse fifty. Uh, where is it? Uh, 51. He has shown strength with his arm. That, that is a common phrase used throughout the entire Old Testament to talk about the strength of God, particularly in the Exodus story right. of, of him taking his people out of bondage and slavery and bringing, him, bringing them into, it, it really to himself and into the promised land. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah 50, 53 when talking about the suffering servant, Isaiah says, who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Talking about Jesus. It's all pulling back to this Exodus language, but here Mary's anticipating this, this new Exodus, mm. this future, deeper, greater, yeah. more excellent Exodus where the people of God will really dwell with God mm. and he will really worship him in ways that, well, you know, as we just preached through the book of Exodus, they could only dream of and they, yeah. they could only imagine. Yeah. He's going to draw the people to himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. One of the questions I wrote for our gospel communities this week has to do with that, trying to draw our attention and, and reflection to the promises, because that's a big deal. That's where mm-hmm. Mary's song ends. She is specifically thinking about the word of God, God's promises to Abraham and to the patriarchs, to her forefathers. Um, and, and just thinking about you know, how would the coming of the Christ be different if it happened, but if it had not been promised and foretold, hmm. you know, because the incarnation could have still happened. Yeah. The son of God could have become a man, showed up, saved us from our sin without any of the buildup, without the old Testament, without all of that. But how different would things be if it happened like that? Hmm. You know, another way sometimes we, we think about that, like what if Jesus had just come right after Adam and Eve and the fall? Hmm. Um, you know, th- th- those questions are worth thinking about 
just to get our minds thinking like what what is god up to in allowing hundreds and thousands of years of mm. human history and in communicating himself in the ways that he did and giving promises you know it, it i think it it lots probably could be said about that but one thing that stands out to me is just this is the way god relates to his people he has always called us to respond to him in faith mm. uh it's always been about our response to his word to to have his word to trust him to believe him to hope in him because we we could think that today like what are we doing why doesn't jesus just come back right now right god is up to something yeah. and he's given us his word to sustain us mm. so that we we wait with hope yeah we wait with eager expectation. We wait with joy. We we work hard while we wait, and that working is all by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. So, I think Mary's highlighting the promises of God helps us understand we too live by faith in the promises of God. Yeah. I think that does two things. Even that exercise alone, it begin, it causes us to have to think God's thoughts after Him. Mm-hmm. Of to answer that question, there's only one. We can't just sit here and speculate. <laughs> to mm-hmm. answer that question, the only place we could go is to the scriptures to see, well, why did he do what he did? And I think the second thing that you mentioned is it it engenders hope for the future. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, exactly. Why, When all around us seems crazy, um, whether that's political or cultural or whatever, uh, suffering or whatever, what, why doesn't Jesus just come back now? What, what is he doing? What's he waiting for? Well, Look at all he got done in the lives of the in the world mm. in those thousands of years leading up to Christ. And that is one of the key parts. I think we mentioned this earlier. The entire season of Advent is meant to not just have us look back at the anticipation of the Christ who came, but also for us to anticipate the coming of Christ again. Yeah. So there's a the, the Advent season is helpful in that as it helps us to it trains us to to wait mm-hmm. and to anticipate and to live now with that hope in, right. in the future. Yeah. yeah. And the cool thing about promises is one, it gives us something to hope for, but it should give us joy in the moment too. That's right. Um, because the greatest promise that was ever given, I'll put enmity between you and uh, the serpent mm. actually came true. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lord sent his son to come and die and put enmity between us uh, and the devil. And mm-hmm. so, um, when we read promises, uh, when you're in your discipleship huddle and you're, um, rehearsing promises to one another, um, when you're going through it week to week, uh, we can find joy in those too. Yeah. It's not just a kind of a patient waiting or kind of a groaning waiting. Sometimes it is, yeah. but it should give us instill some joy in us too. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I think, you know, that mention of, um, Genesis three fifteen and the enmity that God promises to put between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the serpent, which we take as good news that he, mm-hmm. he puts us on his side mm-hmm. uh, so that the serpent is an enemy to us. And we don't deserve to be on that side. We don't side. deserve to be yeah. on that side. Yeah. yeah. That, that is, that's God's kindness. And, and that antithesis as it's been called is evident in Mary's song here. There's sharp contrast as she goes through mm-hmm. uh, God's action. I just noticed the coming of the Christ as Mary sings about it and rejoices in it. Um, it has implications for different groups of people, different implications. Mm-hmm. She speaks of the proud and the rich and the mighty and the coming of the Christ is a judgment for them. He, God mm-hmm. is going to bring them down. He's going to humble them. He's going to scatter them. He's going to send the rich away 
empty. So, so there's a great reversal that happens because then she talks about the humble and, and they're going to be exalted and the poor and hungry who are going to be filled, satisfied. So the, mm. the coming of Christ is a double-edged sword. There's, there's a division that happens, which again draws us back to, okay, is the coming of Christ good news or bad news? That really depends on your response mm-hmm. to him. You know, if you remain hard-hearted and proud and self-reliant and arrogant, it's going to be bad news because he comes, and when he comes, he gets stuff done. <laughs> uh, he he judges the haughty and the wicked. But if you respond to him in faith, then it is the most joyous news in the world. And then Mary's song becomes your song, and you can say, yeah, my good. soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thankful for this song inspired by the spirit recorded in scripture for us Mm. to help us uh, enter into this Advent season with worship. Looking forward to the the coming songs as well. This coming Sunday uh, will be kind of a interruption to the songs for the savior series Mm. as Jeff Percival joins us, but he's going to be preaching from Colossians one kind of giving us Bethlehem's backstory, uh, Mm. the eternal Christ. How do we get him on the mics? Oh man. (laughs) How do we, how do we, I think we got to follow him. We got to follow him to the airport and just hang out and make it happen. It's just, <laughs> ready. Oh, it's, it's going to be, be great. So, it's going to yeah, be so I'm excited good. to have Jeff with us. So, well, thank you guys for sitting down and talk this through.